privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting and rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. My first grader was behind in reading, and this program has made a huge difference. She's now reading above grade level. I use it for my kids nightly reading for school. We love it, and it's super easy and quick to do. My kid, who just turned four years old and has been using the program since January of this year, can now read. Thank you so much, Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word KID to 323232 right now. It's fast and easy. Text KID to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text the word KID to 323232. Text KID to 323232. Whether you're a skeptic or a believer, Join me, Rob McConnell, as together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here on the Exxon Radio TV show on XZBN and the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Since 1990, the Exxon Radio TV show has been the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Together, we'll investigate UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, psychic phenomenon, lake monsters, conspiracy theories, government cover-ups, the truth embargo, alien abductions, ESP, haunted locations from around the world, and so much more. With over 28 years of broadcasting and more than 4,500 individual guests, the X-Zone is truly a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, as evidenced by the credibility, integrity, and professionalism of the guests that we bring to our international audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell, by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, Exxon Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exxoneradiotv.com or www.exxonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember X-Zone Nation, keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. Welcome to Mission Evolution Radio Show with Gwilda Wiaka, bringing together today's leading experts to uncover ever-deepening spiritual truths and the latest scientific developments in support of the evolution of humankind. For more information on Mission Evolution Radio with Gwilda Wiaka, visit www.missionevolution.org. And now, here's the host of Mission Evolution, Miss Gwilda Wiaka. Hello, dear friends. This is Mission Evolution Radio Show, where we share innovative thoughts with the day's leading scientific and esoteric experts, supporting the path to unity and enlightenment. I'm Gwilda Wiecka. This hour, we'll be exploring awareness, coming out of the darkness and into the light. Evolution is a process of waking up to greater levels of reality. Waking up requires we become mindful of where we are unconscious or asleep to what is. As we enter the Aquarian age and more expansive frequencies, the light is available for us to see more than in times past, if we open our eyes and are willing to look. This is not as easy as it may sound. In effect, we've been asleep for generations upon generations. Unconsciousness and limited perception of reality has become embedded into not only our belief systems, but into our very DNA. In addition, like a frozen limb coming back to life, the process of waking up can be a painful one. Waking up results in the awareness of the heartlessness imbuing our world and our unwitting 
participation in it. The resulting guilt and shame tend to drive us right back into denial and unconsciousness. How can we break this non-productive cycle? What is required to embrace the light and remain present? What can help us move out of the darkness of times past and evolve into our potential? With us this hour to explore this process of awakening is Locke Kelly, author of The Way of Effortless Mindfulness. Locke is a graduate of Columbia University and has been leading meditation teacher, psychotherapist, and seminar leader for more than 25 years. Locke has worked in community mental health and counseled family members after 911. Founder of the nonprofit Open Heart Awareness Institute, Locke collaborates with neuroscientists at Yale, the University of Pennsylvania, and NYU to study how awareness training can enhance compassion and well-being. His website, LockKelly.org. Locke, thanks for joining us on Mission Evolution. Thank you so much, Gwilda. It's great to be here with you. What degree did you get at Columbia? So I've got a double master's degree. One is uh, a master's in clinical social work, and the other was a master in divinity in psychology and spirituality from Union Theological. How did you become interested in mindfulness? Um, I think, you know, if we all look back at our childhoods, <laughs> we, we uh, you know, feel those times when we've been mindless. And for me, I started to feel that there was something uh, that opened up in my life when I uh, accessed a certain kind of awareness. And interestingly, for me, it um, often would happen when I would play sports. So uh, I would play a sport and I'd enter into the flow or what's called the zone and all of a sudden, I'd be a type of mindful that wasn't just, um, you know, being um, detached and focused on one thing, but actually open to a greater field of consciousness, more interconnected with my fellow uh, <clears throat> teammates and with the, the audience and with the game and with life in a way that felt... Uh, completely different than my ordinary mindless consciousness. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned that. I Now that you say it, I, I used to go there when I would be racing on, you know, ski racing. Yes. Yeah, That's because right. you have to really be absolutely present in the moment to get the next mogul right. That's right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and, you know, if we really look at that, because that's kind of part of the process, I hope we'll talk about this unique form of mindfulness, which is not the typical mindfulness you can't literally look fast enough in the typical mindful way <clears throat> that you would like lift a piece of food, bring it to your mouth and taste it. You can't look at a mogul in that way. You, your, your mind is not fast enough. You have to open to this panoramic flow that actually is processing from a greater awareness and kind of release or trust or surrender into that a uh, new um, optimal way of, of focusing uh, from a greater mind. So it's really more kinesthetic in a lot of ways, isn't it? It's very embodied, yes. That's right. Tell us about your studies with neuroscientists at Yale regarding awareness and training. That <clears throat> fascinates me. Yes. So, so this, you know, this had led me from kind of sports to um, talking about this. One day I'd if I know you're in Canada, so you'll understand I was an ice hockey goalie. And um, uh, I, I used to be able to find a way to enter this flow state intentionally. So the way it happened was I was listening to a sportscaster when I was 14. And he was talking about a, a quarterback on a football team. And he said, uh, he's got eyes in the back of his head. And I thought, oh, eyes in the back of his head. How do you do that? And I literally began to open awareness around. So it opened my peripheral vision. And then as I opened my peripheral vision, the way people may naturally do when you're driving a car, then you keep opening up the awareness all the way around behind. So it's almost a 360 degree feeling of being aware from everywhere. 
and then it would just drop me into my body and I'd feel like a cat. And then uh, I felt like I was aware of the whole field of consciousness. Um, and then what I did was I explained it to one of my teammates and they kind of had their jaw dropped and they were like, huh? And they were like, oh, cool. But then a, um, a senior on the team uh, came the next week and threw a little book to me. He said, here, kid, read this. And it was called Zen and the Art of Archery. Mm. And so I started to connect like, oh, this natural state, there's something to do with sports, but now it has to do with Zen. What's Zen? And it led me to meditation. Uh, but I was curious about um, what is the mind doing? What is the brain? How does this is a real feeling? It isn't imagination. It's a very embodied. It brings me into an optimal state. So as I began uh, studying um, spirituality and meditation, I also studied um, psychotherapy and neuroscience. That's an interesting combination. Yes. <laughs> you know, so, when you when you were speaking about the uh, starting to try to develop eyes in the back of your head, it, it has me wondering. I know that I do training with children, wilderness training, and I'll toss rocks off to the side to catch their attention because mm -hmm. we're so trained to be monofocused directly That's ahead it. of us by our our books, our TV, mm -hmm. our everything. Um, so, and I think we've become much more monofocused. Yeah. Are there exercises, or how can a person get out of that? Yes. Yeah, so, so this is what some of this um, neuroscience studies that I was involved in. I was both developed protocols for them using these advanced uh, meditation techniques, and also was a subject in other neuroscience studies. Um, and one of the one of the ways that we awaken from this small sense of self, which you were talking about in your intro, uh, that keeps us <clears throat> both attached to a separate sense of self and to a fear-based, shame-based feeling of being not enough, is this um, point of view that almost has this narrow vision. Um, and that pattern of subject-object, self-other, uh, dualistic, perception can be functional, but it it can't really uh, feel connected to others, and it can't really be enough of a capacity to be with our full emotional, sensitive human heart. So well, monofocus yeah. like that seems to be very polarized, and yeah. having to move from pole to pole takes a lot more time than just connecting, right? That's right. So so the curiosity for me was, okay, I feel this, then I would always say, how do I do it? Then I'd say, who, who has learned how to do it? And what I found was often many different cultures and traditions had ways of opening into this uh, natural way of consciousness. And the more advanced the people, the simpler the practices got but they would often require that people do these preliminary practices for years and lifetimes that have that actually develop the monofocus. So, right, you have to build those subroutines, don't you, to get you out of the status quo. Yes, so, so they would, but my feeling now, and this is what the difference is between effortless mindfulness and what I call deliberate mindfulness, is that deliberate mindfulness, the preliminary practices are actually to strengthen monofocus. So they literally um, strengthen attentional, one-pointed awareness by being aware of your breath or a, a candle or an object. And that's a functional way of living, but it actually trains you to be have a calmer ego. And the next stage of effortless mindfulness requires that you open awareness out to the field of already awake awareness, this awareness well, mind. And we're going to have to pick up yeah. on the awareness mind after yeah. a commercial yeah. break. Okay. <laughs> Locke, Locke and I will return shortly, so don't go away. You're listening to the Mission Evolution Radio Show, coming to you on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. 
It's hard to listen to the news without realizing we're living in volatile, unprecedented times. Yet never has there been such an opportunity to transform the human condition. As old structures fail, where can we find the guidance to co-create a better way? Find Your Path Home is an ever-evolving, leading-edge information, education, and healing resource center designed to support and guide you on your path to unity and enlightenment. Based on sound principles employed by shaman worldwide, we provide techniques that can support you through the current transitions, offering online shamanic classes, international long-distance shamanic healing sessions, complimentary Mission Evolution radio episodes and Stairway to Heaven TV vignettes, seminars, retreats, and much more. All of this can be found on findyourpathhome.com. So I was watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens and they kept repeating to me over and over again, simultv.com, simultv.com. What's simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night, I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. SIMULTV.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about SIMULTV.com. SIMULTV.com. Welcome back. This is the Mission Evolution Radio Show, missionevolution.org. We're dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. Our guest this hour is Locke Kelly. His website, LockKelly.org. Lock, we were talking about something that seems almost diametrically opposed. It was like having a monofocus and really mm-hmm. training yourself in monofocus, and yet you're trying to connect with the unified field. How okay. does that work? Well, the, the tradition is that you have to find a way to calm your mind and calm your body. And so one of the techniques um, to do that is to focus um, on one point and actually develop monofocus. Now, I'll say a little bit <laughs> about the neuroscience of that, which is um, not to get too much into scientific language, but if you'll humor me for a moment, uh, what's called the default mode network is this naturally alternating systems in our brain that one will look outward and focus on a task and then the other network will alternate and take you inward and focus on your internal uh, thoughts, feelings, and daydreams. And this is why when you uh, focus on your breath or task, your mind will wander. It actually goes from outer to inward naturally. And what happens is that we found in the neuroscience is when you do monofocus, you repress the inner world and you turn on or uh, hyper uh, hold the outer task mode, and this will calm you down uh, and give you relief like a nap or a deep sleep, but you can't function this way. So as soon as you walk out of a meditation retreat, as many of you will know, within an hour or a day or a week, you're back to that alternating distracted rhythm and say, oh my God, when do I get to go back and have another retreat? So the open awareness, the awake awareness-based knowing actually balances internal and external default mode network. So you literally feel that you're aware from this awareness-based mind of inner and outer. So it's like a seamless interconnected field and you can be aware of what you're feeling inside, you can be aware of the task or ski the moguls outside. Uh, And so this is the new evolution of consciousness, is this upgrade. And the amazing thing and the important thing is it's already installed, pre-installed within us, and we just have to learn to access it. 
So I'm I'm still a little unclear on this. The, so you're going back and forth and back and forth between awareness yes. inward and awareness yep. outward. That's right. And the goal is to become uh, simultaneously That's uh, right. connected. So how do you get there and why was that our natural state and how do we get away from it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it seems to be a developmental or evolutionary uh, state. It's just like the kids that you're training uh, in order to go from a baby that is, um, you know, whose awareness is all over the place to focus on, you know, uh, here, hold this rattle, that, that's the oven, don't touch the oven, that's a green light and that's a red light, don't cross the street. You have to develop um, from no focus to one-pointed focus um, in order to... Uh, individuate and move from a dependent child to an independent uh, child and then adult. So now, once you do that, you start to realize, oh, but I'm, I'm doing that from a system, a mind, a thought-based mind that is going from thought to thought to create a small thinker and believes, I think, therefore I am, and is using monofocus where um, it it becomes limiting, certainly emotionally, because that small ego center can't bear a full emotional, intimate human life. It just gets overwhelmed. So there's this upgrade that has been uh, talked about throughout history as awakening. And so my curiosity was, okay, everyone keeps saying awakening. What is it? How do you do it? And if the premise is it's already here within us, then how do we access it more directly, more immediately, and more elegantly in our contemporary world? Well, is it like we came with that capacity and then had to be trained into focusing in order to function in the world, but then the world actually demands that we remain in that mode because of the way it's set up, the way it's designed, the streets, the work, the job? Yeah, it's 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 almost that we have the we have the capacity for both or and as a child neither one is functioning very well so we don't want to remain as if a baby has the has the is awake because the baby is awake everyone's awake all the time <laughs> no matter what age there's an awakeness inherent but then there's human functioning uh, so a baby can't independently survive so then we have to develop um, the capacity of individual ego function, but then what happens is we create an ego identity out of ego function, and we have to then evolve. So we keep the ego function, how to cross the street, which is our house, you know, different tasks that we've learned, and then upgrade the sense of self and consciousness to this more open, awake, interconnected, unconditionally loving uh, feeling of flow. And, but our environment does not, you know, our modern day environment does not uh, promote that, does it? No, our particularly our education. I mean, think about how much progress we've made in science and um, even in, you know, kind of positive psychology, which is still ego psychology and uh, functioning creating microchips. I mean, those things are amazing. I, I could never figure those out. But there, this next capacity of that feels like dropping from head to heart, but it's really the heart-mind, which feels open um, as if you were now to open your awareness around 360 degrees and feel this spacious, embodied, heart-centered uh, field of interconnectedness, which all mystics and awake beings talk about as the most joyful, the most optimal, and the intelligence then is available as a tool. So thinking becomes a tool that you can use or not use, and the baseline is loving peace of mind. So basically we're coming out of a place where we're identifying with what we think? Yes, that's it. So this, I think, therefore I am, is our still our greatest mistaken identity. 
So it's a simple case of mistaken identity. And the, the catch-22 is we have these great capacity of intelligence and thought and effort and attention and will, but we're trying to use them to upgrade to this awareness-based identity. And actually, we have to let go of thinking in order to find wisdom. So more like I am and therefore I think. That's right. <clears throat> I, I am and therefore I think. That's beautiful. Yeah. Well, so the, now, now you're going to become like our, the new philosopher of our age. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it seems like, you know, our, our computers and algorithms and all this stuff is rapidly replacing the I think and therefore I am. And so the value of human beings actually is becoming being able to be and join the unified field, which right now, at least, the, the mm -hmm. algorithms cannot do. That's right. Yeah. And so, so the main thing, and you know, this is uh, this book, The Way of Effortless Mindfulness, is I literally went and studied with many of the great masters uh, in the fields of meditation and traveled to India, Sri Lanka, and Nepal. Uh, did study in the universities there as well as um, in the monasteries and meditation centers and kept asking these questions. And what I found is that when I first went, I did these long, uh, what I call deliberate mindfulness, which is traditional mindfulness retreats of five days, 10 days, 21 days, um, and felt this calm, which now I know to be kind of this repression of this default mode network, which was just this one side of my brain was on, but then I would go down the hill and within a day I would be back. And then I went up to um, India and Nepal and met this uh, Tibetan teacher who was giving out these advanced practices called Mahamudra and Dzogchen teachings, which can be done in minutes with your eyes open uh, in the middle of your day and within three minutes of this little shift of awareness I felt the way I felt at the end of a long retreat except I was more joyful more engaged more balanced more interconnected uh, and I said oh my god it literally is already here it's it's you know this far away one moment away how do I learn this and how do I teach this? And that's basically, I've created these what I call glimpse practices, which are um, one minute to seven minutes long. And they're designed for different learning types of people. So some people are more kinesthetic, some people are more visual, auditory. And so I go through these different doorways fairly quickly and once people learn to do them, they literally can shift from monofocus to interconnected in the middle of their workday on the subway in New York City. Well, fantastic. Well, we're going to have to take another break and talk about um, this way of switching back and forth. It sounds like a fascinating topic. Locke and I will return to our discussion on the other side of this break. So you stay right there. This is the Mission Evolution Radio Show. We're coming to you on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. How would your life change if you could develop the business and personal skills that you need in order to make more money? Do you want to learn how to achieve your big life goals faster? Then go to findhiddenmoney.com and get the Goal For It online course. The course teaches you how you can set and achieve your biggest goals while completely overcoming the roadblocks to your goals so that you can realize your dreams and imagine more success. Go to findhiddenmoney.com. Memorable dynamic presentations are a not-so-secret weapon in the business world. Do you have a powerful message that must be shared, but you haven't found a way to deliver that message? Do you want to be known as a top public speaker who gets amazing results? Are you ready to create and deliver your powerful message? Thomas Hides can help you create and deliver your speech to get the results you desire. Visit IconQuality.com.
Did you expect your business to flourish, but instead it plateaued or didn't get off the ground yet? Would you like to achieve massive goals and discover new sources of income within your business? When you're ready to experience that type of success with fast results, Cindy Hendricks is the business coach for you. Her work with entrepreneurs and business owners has been life-changing. To get you and your business where you want to be, go to imaginemoresuccess.com. Has the fear of public speaking stalled your business or personal life? What would you give to develop and maintain supreme confidence? Have an invaluable private program to always perform at your best. Imagine how you would feel. You can have all that and so much more today with Thomas Hyde's life-changing course called Number One Fear Unleashed. Visit NumberOneFear.com and be liberated from your fear of public speaking. Welcome back. This is the Mission Evolution Radio Show, MissionEvolution.org, bringing leading-edge information supporting the path to enlightenment. We're speaking with Locke Kelly, his website, LockKelly.org. Locke, when you were talking about um, finding a way to enter the state that it takes a week at a retreat to normally get to, how long has that practice been around? Uh, So this is the ancient practices from you know, probably pre-written traditions, but certainly from Taoism, from early contemplative Christianity, from uh, Buddhism, from early shamanism. There are ways to, uh, uh, there's an ancient Taoist text that is called the Secret of the Golden Flower that basically says the entire secret is to turn the light of awareness around. And so in some ways, that's the principle, to have awareness drop or open. So rather than you, the doer, or the meditator, or the thinker, uh, it's literally to start to feel that awareness can return home. Awareness can open up peripherally and open up into the awareness that's already here without your help. And there's, that's where the words surrender or letting go or turning it over uh, or discovering or uncovering that which is already the ocean of awareness that's arising as a, each of us as a wave in this field. And that feeling is described um, in all these esoteric uh, traditions and in the advanced uh, religions that sometimes are only taught, um, you know, to, like in Tibetan Buddhism, you learn these uh, in the last six months of a three-year retreat. But this one teacher who I uh, went to, um, you know, 30 years ago, said it's time to begin to give these out because it's more important to have people awaken uh, because of the needs of the world and so these are now becoming more available, the texts are becoming um, translated, and we're in a fortunate time to have access to these teachings. Amazing. So <laughs> the question begs asking, when and why did we go to sleep? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it could be, some of it is evolutionary, I think. Um, Although there have been these periods, they call them the axial ages, where people kind of woke up and then went back to sleep and woke up and went back to sleep. Um, So there's some evolving going on. And I think we can all agree that it seems almost like there's a a strong impetus now that we almost have to wake up if we're going to survive. And to wake up to this love, to wake up to motivation from seeing that we're all connected um, so the, the sense of, um, you know, both developmental psychology and evolution, I think it's just a natural, um, progression. But what we did is we stopped at this place where we can function from, which is this small separate sense of self, this ego function that becomes an ego identity. And it feels like there's a little mini me inside of our heads, looking out of our eyes. I don't know if anyone can feel that, 
but that feels like that's us and that's that mono focuser. And if that little thought-based identity just keeps trying to solve the problem of how do I find happiness? How do I feel connected? How do I find love? It can never find it because it's, it's made of thought and it's trying to find something it can't access. And so, for instance, if people would just feel that kind of problem solver identity and just take one moment and just be curious if awareness were to open, if you were to ask what's here now, if there's no problem to solve. Yeah, that's a whole different concept, isn't there? Yes. What if everything's okay? What if everything's okay on the level of, of the primary level, and then from there you can deal with the relative problems? Interesting. Yeah. So it's, I know yeah. I know we've been talking about this all along, but let's put it in a nutshell. How do yeah. you define awakening? Yes. Yeah, so awakening, um, okay, it's it's a shift of perception, a shift of knowing, and a shift of identity. So very simply, going from a perception that's monofocused to interconnected, a shift of knowing from thought-based, uh, thinker-based uh, knowing to awareness-based, love-based knowing, and then from a small separate identity, a small felt-sense separate self to this uh, interconnected, loving, supportive self with a capital S that feels it's part of the ocean of the universe arising as you and others. So, it's, so yeah. what, what are the greatest challenges of waking up? Waking up? So the, the greatest, it's interesting um, that I'll say that interestingly, the, the, I've been studying two things simultaneously, both the awakening traditions and the science. So in the science, both the neuroscience and the psychotherapy, and perhaps your listeners will, will find this most fascinating, is that this shift into this greater self, which I've been working with um, a couple other colleagues in the psychotherapy uh, uh, work for the last years, is that people with complex trauma, with severe early ongoing traumatic histories find that the shift into the self, this bigger sense of self, is the only thing that gives them relief and actually is the foundation of healing because they've been trying to use their small sense of self to heal these huge traumas. And so shifting into this huge, loving, supportive sense of what they say well, that's me, and and it's greater than me, but it's me. And then that can be with those parts of themselves which are uh, shame-based, uh, early traumatized, fear-based. And then there's a set of protectors that have been uh, kind of part of this ego center, and then these, these protectors that have said, well, just keep doing it the way you're doing it. And as soon as you open to the feel of awareness, they say, danger, danger, come back. What's going on? You're, you're going out of your mind. You're, you're losing your sense of self. You're come back to the old way. So in some ways, it's, it's the habits of the old system, which we've developed to have. So the stronger your ego function and ego defenses to feel calm and spiritually centered, become the greatest obstacles to letting go to the next stage. This is the, this is the thing I, I've realized. Well, it's about breaking trust, isn't it? Yes. It's, you it's know, a, so, so if you have these traumatic experiences up front, and particularly as a child, it breaks your trust, and then how can you trust life? That's it. So then these protectors develop this ego, you know, managers, I'm just going to get through, this is what I have to do. And then these protectors, well, don't do this and don't do that, and don't let go and don't open up and don't feel this interconnectedness and don't feel the love that can't be, you can't trust that. They create a system that if you try to work within that, you can't get beyond that. They're so strong because of the trauma. 
So uh, working to just have these small glimpses of opening to something greater that has essential trust and is loving and can be with these parts that feel mistrustful lets them unburden and heal. Um, so it's really, you know, both. It used to be thought that this is only for advanced practitioners and you need to do all this preliminary deliberate mindfulness before you do access the, your true nature or your awakened consciousness. But what I found is <clears throat> it's necessary and available to everyone. It, yeah, I'm kind of running out of time here, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so have you done any formal studies on, on this with PTSD? And yes. if so, um, were they um, independent studies? And what did you find? Yes. So um, I've worked with um, a group called Internal Family Systems, and we've done scientifically verified studies with uh, PTSD. Um, I've done studies with pain management, physical pain and emotional pain and mental pain. And the studies found that this, uh, you know, the verifiable change in results for the pain studies, people who had level eight would go down to level two on the pain scale as a continuous uh, feeling of chronic pain. Um, and people um, in the PTSD would find um, that they have this sense of well-being and uh, less um, contracted uh, fight or flight. We start suffering over our suffering, don't we, if we're stuck in this knee-jerk reaction place in the mind. That's right. And there, so there's this, you know, that's the real premise of this, the way of effortless mindfulness, is there is already installed upgraded, optimal, spacious, and pervasive, embodied, open-hearted presence, which you we've all glimpsed at moments, and we thought it was related to, oh, when I go walking in the woods, or when I'm in this one place, what if it were available anytime intentionally? What if you could shift into that and that's that's what I found is possible. Well, we're going to have to look at the possibilities on the other side of yet another quick break. Locke and I will be back shortly, so don't leave us now. This is Mission Evolution Radio Show on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Dr. Carl O'Helvey, founder, president of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. They are here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. 
Christopher Fulton is a survivor of the national security state. All he wanted to do was preserve history when he acquired a Cartier watch from the estate of President Kennedy's personal secretary. But that simple act set off a terrible chain reaction. He was pursued by the U.S. Justice Department and the FBI, thrust into the middle of the U.S. government's Assassination Records Review Board, even monitored and pursued by the Russian government. All because that Cartier watch was the missing link of evidence, a timepiece worn by JFK that fateful day in Dallas, a link resulting in Christopher being incarcerated and attacked for nine years because he opened a hidden chapter in history. The intriguing journey outlined fully in Christopher Fulton's memoir, The Inheritance, is available now through Trinday.com or Amazon.com. The Inheritance, Poisoned Fruit of JFK's Assassination by Christopher and Michelle Fulton is a must-read, an incredible tale of how easily our own government can overrule justice. The Inheritance, Poisoned Fruit of JFK's Assassination. Welcome back. This is Mission Evolution Radio Show, bringing together gifted people of service to the world. To suggest a topic or guest, you can email us at info at missionevolution.org. Our guest this hour is Locke Kelly. His website, lockkelly.org. We were just getting into, well, actually, you know what, I'd like to take a little different turn. We've touched into this, but I think it's very fascinating. So if you wouldn't mind, um, you were talking about waking up glimpse by glimpse. What is that? Yes, yeah, so this is the the radical um, premise that the awakeness uh, that we're seeking is already within us. So rather than long meditation or feeling like we have to develop an awake consciousness, like developing a skill, that we can glimpse it or shift from one operating system, the thought-based small sense of self operating system, to this awareness-based, loving uh, presence, embodied, open-hearted flow state. Um, and so glimpsing it is, rather than just calming the mind, uh, we open awareness from its attachment to thinking into awareness all around and within, and then we glimpse who we've always been. So we shift, and glimpsing is literally uh, looking from awake consciousness rather than just looking at it. So if, if for, for, for millennia we've had these laborious ways of yes. accessing this uh, unified awareness, if you will, why now is it the glimpse-by-glimpse method becoming more um, viable? It, it, uh, I feel like it's always been there, but it's often been hidden. And the esoteric part, meaning, uh, you know, what we're doing here is beyond words. So it's very hard to describe it uh, or teach it. So it's been held by certain uh, religions or traditions in a way that you have to go through this, you have to go through that and then they will teach it later and keep it kind of within their tradition to only a few. But now I think a group of us have done what most scientists have done, which is basically, let's look at the results, let's look at the protocols, let's take it apart, let's reverse engineer it, let's find out how it's done, what does it, and then learn how to show people how to do it. And so the, the glimpse by glimpse method is done by awareness. So the unique thing I could even suggest people try this now is if I were to ask somebody uh, to take have a glimpse and pretty much within an hour and a half, um, you know, 80% of people in a room walking off the street will report that they've shifted their consciousness. If you simply feel that awareness is attached or identified with thinking, in the middle of your head and simply ask awareness to step back and drop and feel your jaw from within, feel your throat from within, and then drop from head to heart space. And then feel as if you're aware of your heart space and from your heart space, almost as if you're looking out of the eyes of your heart to this interconnected 
field that doesn't have to refer to thought to be wide awake and could respond when needed. So does the cliff note <laughs> method, if you will, does it lose something um, by, by shortcutting or is it, do you get the same way but from a different direction? Yeah, I mean, it's really the essence of it. The, the fascinating thing is that when you start to look at what's the problem and what's the solution, you can, it, it's too complex. It's actually much simpler than uh, has, you know, than the need for, there's 12 of these, there's 14 of these, go through six of those, sit for, you know, uh, 10 days straight, just watch your breath, you know. So <clears throat> basically it's that, we're caught in this operating system that's a small mini-me looking out of our eyes that's thought-based. Awareness is identified or attached if we have awareness open to the space in the room until we find that boundless, timeless awakeness that's already here. And then we're aware from there back to include internal and external uh, field of awakening. That's pretty much summarizes uh, Taoism, <laughs> uh, Buddhism, esoteric Christianity, uh, Kabbalah. It, it shows you the, the way to awaken is just uh, moving from one habit to another habit. So you work with groups um, and yeah. teach workshops. Have you found that if you're in a group situation and everybody's trying this, that it's stronger and more access accessible? Certainly, I mean, a group is always helpful because there's a resonance on the level of energy. So there's always an energetic support. However, one of the things that um, I'm committed to in this age of um, online podcasts and radio is that people who can't travel to my workshops can connect over the internet and can do these in the midst of their own community just by listening or reading one of these glimpses because um, the, that which they're seeking is already inherent within them. And once they shift, they can then connect to their community and feel more resonance afterwards. So, so what, the rabbit hole I was leading us to yeah. is if in groups it's more powerful, mm. what if we talk about the unified group, the, the planetary group? That's right. If more of us quickly awaken, what's going to happen? Yes. I'm, I mean, that's, that's my feeling is that this is evolution and there's, you know, the hundredth monkey that hopefully there's a hundredth monkey that if we could all awaken with this glimpse method rather than staying with this kind of uh, preliminary practice meditation, if we can shift into this awakened consciousness feel connected, there will be a resonant field of intelligence that will support others awakening and then become more of a cultural norm, which I think it has to be. And that's why I've used the word mindfulness, because I feel like uh, this is an upgrade of traditional mindfulness, but at least mindfulness has come into our culture on the level of science, on the level of schools, in hospitals, in uh, acceptable uh, culture. So let's use that as a springboard to awakening. So is there a relationship between physical and emotional health and the ability to wake up? Uh, yes. I mean, it, it will, on the side of it, will help your physical and emotional health when you wake up. But you can wake up even if you are, uh, if you have difficulty on the physical, you know, emotional I spoke about, even if you have traumatic history emotionally or if you're, um, <clears throat> you know, aren't, you know, highly, you know, successful in the world, you can still awaken. Uh, so mental, physical or emotional doesn't preclude awakening to a sense of well-being. Sometimes it can drive us to it, can't it? Yes. And sometimes it can drive it to it and often does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what's your vision for the world as more of us wake up? What do you see changing? Yeah, I, I see and I feel, I see it already amongst uh, students and other colleagues of mine. Uh, there's a motivation that comes from love. There's a sense of uh, right action, which means people kind of do what they do well. They don't feel like they're despairing about the world, nor do they feel like they have to personally save the world. 
they feel like, oh, I'm, I know what I can help with. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go door to door and I'm good at this. And my other community is good at that. So they join these, um, uh, you know, join political or uh, other organizations that, uh, you know, register voters or uh, become more loving and non-reactive uh, to people's compassionate vision of people who don't agree with them. Um, they can kind of, you know, soften and uh, become more loving and outgoing. They're not couch potato meditators <laughs> and they're not angry, uh, only angry um, uh, activists. Well, that beautiful bridging, that's a, that's a lovely, lovely vision. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what advice do you have for those of us in the process of waking up? Yeah, so, I mean, my feeling is to to really ask yourself that, that it's, your, it's your opportunity. Uh, can you accept these premises? They're not, there's nothing that I say that needs to be believed or accepted. It's a premise. Awakening's already within you. Can you find a way to access it? that works for you, and then are you willing to do small glimpses or short uh, regular practices to feel and to shift from this current operating system to the next? And I hope that my book uh, and free, I have free YouTubes and um, audios available of, of these glimpses that they will help show, give you a taste of this. Well, you know, we're just about out of time, and uh, as always, it's flown, and now we are out of it. Um, I can't thank you enough for the beautiful work you're doing in the world and for being on the show. Thank you, Gwilda. I really appreciate it. It really was wonderful to connect with you. It's been, it's been a joy. Our guest this hour has been Locke Kelly, the author of The Way of Effortless Mindfulness and the founder of Open Hearted Awareness Institute. His website, lockkelly.org. For our amazing past episode collection, visit our website, www.missionevolution.org. This has been Mission Evolution Radio Show with Gulda Wiecka on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Join us next time as this mission continues, bringing information, resources, and support to our evolving world. If you are looking for a safe, zero-calorie, natural option to the harmful artificial sweeteners on the market today, Just Like Sugar is what you're looking for. Just Like Sugar is a wonderful natural alternative for those health-conscious people who choose a calorie-restricted diet with a great, pure, sweet flavor that tastes just like sugar. Just Like Sugar is a great natural option for people suffering from diabetes and may be useful in restricted diet programs where standard sugars are not allowed and does not cause a laxative effect of some other sweeteners. Just Like Sugar comprises a perfect blend of chicory root fiber, natural calcium, natural vitamin C, and Just Like Sugar sweetness comes from the natural flavors from the peel of the orange. Just Like Sugar is a natural alternative to harmful artificial sweeteners and will change the way that you believe all natural sweetener products taste. Just Like Sugar is available at your local Whole Foods markets, Wild Oats markets, Henry's, Sun Harvest, and many other fine natural food stores in the U.S., Canada, and worldwide. They are here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. 
You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simultv, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simultv. Simultv offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today.